Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, and ownership, especially for real estate, agent, and realtors. Hey, learn from the experts, God. This is free land education. It's pretty rare out there. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant, broker owner of Land Pro Real Estate, along with my co-host today, Teresa Martin, who is actually out making money showing property. She's a busy lady. So it'll be me and our guest today. Our new office is at 207 East Main Street in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. We serve all of your real estate needs in western Piedmont, North Carolina, and Southern Virginia. Just give us a shout. We'll help you out. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members. We are the um, National Association Realtor Land folks. There's about 1,800 members out of 1.5 million. And uh, we have this accredited land consultant designation, and I'm one of 600 in the United States. So here's the deal. Go to our website, www.rliland.com, www.rli, Realtors Land Institute, land.com, rli.com. And listen to me. If you're interested in buying land or selling land, please go to that site because we are the trained real estate agents in our industry. There's no land education except for our organization and class I have. We will either save you money if you're if you're buying, or we will make you more if you're selling, because we know how to play the game. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. Buying or selling land, LandHub is the place to be. Well, we got a great guest today. Welcome, Steve. Our guest is Steve Sabachi. He's with um, uh, Quest Trust out of Houston, Texas, right? Uh, that's correct. Thank you, Lou. Yeah, glad to have you on. This is uh, one of those subjects uh, uh, that um, there are very few organizations that uh, actually provide the services that you do around the country. So uh, I know our listeners are going to be anxious and other agents to learn about what I think is one of the greatest benefits uh, of taking your money and, and, and investing it in land and farms. Steve is a RRA, Individual Retirement Arrangement Specialist for the Quest Trust Company. He previously worked in the pension and retirement plan industry since 2000. He received his BA from Denison University and earned a master's degree in management from Marymount University, two great schools there. He earned a certification financial planner from Georgetown University, another great one. Over the course of his career, Steve has worked for T. Rowe Price, PNC Bank and TIAACREF. I'm not real sure what that acronym is. What is that, Stephen? <laughs> it's a long, complicated acronym, but it's uh, primarily it's one of the biggest companies in the country that does uh, 403Bs, 401Ks for colleges and non nonprofit organizations across the country. Gotcha. Most recently, Steve worked at the National Electric Corporation Association when he worked on every type of employee benefit. For defined benefits, 401ks, deferred compensation, as well as medical plans. During his career, Steve has advised, advised with every level of client from C-suit, board of directors, to rank and file, and employees. Currently works on the sales team of Quest Trust Company to leverage its experience in a niche, which is self-directed IRAs. The key word there is self-direct. He works along with current potential clients on the Full range of tax advantages accounts includes Roth accounts, SEPT accounts, SOLO, SOLO accounts, 401ks, and health savings accounts. His clients engage in a large range of private assets from traditional real estate, fixed or flip rentals, or private equities, or JV private company stocks, LLCs, or promissory notes, secured, unsecured, modified draw lending. Steve's next major professional goal will be to obtain a title of certified IRA services professional through the America's Bank Association. I want to learn about that. He's also currently waiting on the results of his exam, which I'm sure you will pass. And he will also be taken over as the management. We're going to send you down to hot Dallas. <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward I to that. I bet you are. actually start next week. You can maybe plan your two-month vacation every summer. Exactly. <laughs> okay. We... Um, it's interesting because you do a lot of presentations, and we're kind of going to work off that, if that's okay. Great. One of the first things is, is um, what is an SDIRA, self-directed IRA? 
the acronym SDIRA. What, what is that all about? So a self-directed IRA is basically a, a regular individual retirement arrangement, like you mentioned, that has a lot of different tax advantages to it. Um, the self-directed is really just kind of more of a marketing term that's used in the industry. So there's really no distinction between an IRA that you would get at uh, Quest Trust Company versus one that you would get at uh, Charles Schwab or Fidelity. They're all going to be traditional, Roth, uh, SEP, like you mentioned before. The distinction and why they use the term self-directed as a way of drawing that distinction is that with the self-directed, as you were correctly saying a few moments ago, you get to use a private asset. It's an asset of your selection. And again, it's something that isn't going to be sold by Charles Schwab or Fidelity. So they, they can't sell it to you. So it's a case of where you kind of use the right company for the right task. Okay. If you want to stay in the lane of traditional securities like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you use that type of company. But if you want to get into some of these things, which are commonly referred to as alternative assets, then you come to a company like Quest, a self-directed IRA custodian, where we don't actually sell the investments. We just set up the account, and then you tell us what to buy on your behalf. Interesting. So what I want to buy is an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some limitations in terms of what you can have in your IRA altogether. Okay. Um, you know, basically, the only things you can't use in an IRA would be life insurance, and it would be uh, also um, uh, collectibles, which I think the airplane would fall on. Uh, I'm you know, afraid, especially it's something where you can't say it's definitively worth X. Right, with the with the um, the changes a couple years ago in the 1031 Lycon Exchange, you know, they knocked out all the collectibles and stuff, airplanes and boats, and yeah. you know, so. Interesting. Um, how does this differ from a uh, from other types of IRAs? Well, like I was saying, you know, this basically is a way that you know you're doing something that other IRAs may not offer. And you know, as I was saying before, and as our founder has often said, IRAs are IRAs are IRAs. They're all governed under the same code with the IRS. So it's really just that that little uh, distinction that here you're buying what you want outside of the exclusions that we mentioned as, as we were talking. But advantages are the same. But I would say in some ways some of the advantages can be a little more amplified even so by using a self-directed IRA. So one of the things, and of course this is a land show, uh, and um, I'm assuming that land, you know, land would be uh, one of those uh, investment uh, vehicles. Oh, yeah. But uh, is there any limitations on any other type of real estate investment? Could I buy, uh, could I buy uh, tenants in common uh, share and put that in my, my, uh, my retirement? Or could I buy a hotel or could I buy a, uh, a rental property? Yeah, those are great questions, and, you know, primarily the answer would be yes in many of those cases. It may all come down to how the deal is structured as to how exactly it may or may not be able to be done. Um, there are certain things which, you know, again, they, they have uh, what they call some disqualified people, and they have some things that are called prohibited transactions. Um, but for the most part, as it pertains to the investment and, and how we define real estate here at Quest, we would put it basically into three buckets. So real estate could be a piece of land, just like you're saying. It could be a foreclosure. It could be an option. It could be tax liens. It could be anything in that realm. Then it could also be in something like a private entity where you're investing in through a limited partnership or a trust or an LLC. And then the other facet that a lot of people do real estate investing with through us is actually in the area of lending. So they might be lending money to an individual who's then going to go out and renovate a property, and they're taking a first lien position. 
you know, so it could be secured, unsecured. It could be a convertible note. Really? Uh, you know, all those types of different things that fall into that category as well. So, you know, there's really a host of things which can technically be defined as real estate, which people are using in these self-directed IRAs with Quest. Okay. So who is a typical person that would want this product? Wow. Give me, give me hey, a profile. It seems like that list is growing more and more. Yeah, well, because of diversification and, um, you know, the market as it's changing, which it always does. So, um, and, I mean, get, kind of paint a profile for our listeners out there, and maybe we might hit a button on one of them says, oh, hey, I'm one of those. I didn't know I could do this. But, yeah, exactly. And then, exactly. And then the second thing, if you would, is maybe is there a minimum amount of uh, investment dollars that's required? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, those are both really good, important things to, to discuss. Um, you know, going to your first question about the who, it is an ever-changing and expanding pool. Um, you know, it is a case now of where this was in the past maybe thought as being just a rich man's game or something to that effect. Right. But again, that's, that's really changing a lot now. So really the people who are investing and using a self-directed IRA are people who want to get away from, you know, the more traditional assets because they feel there's a lot more uncertainty there. And having been in the financial planning field myself, I can attest to this in a, in a real, uh, you know, a, a, a direct way. You know, what, what I have always found over the years is when you invest in the stock market, no matter how diversified you think you are, you may not be that diversified in, in terms of how much you really think. Right. Um, I like to point out that for people, you know, if you're investing in mutual funds, let's say, there are about 18,000 mutual funds, managed accounts, ETFs to choose from. There are only about 3,000 publicly traded stocks that are on any exchange or on all the exchanges. So if you think about it, you've got all those different pools that are investing in So there's always overlap there. Now, when you use the self-directed IRA, that's where you can get into a real estate or real estate-related asset that is completely different than the stock market. And as we all know, these things also do not correlate to the stock market. So it gives you really more diversification than you can truly get through traditional assets. Now, also, as it pertains to the dollar amount, um, a lot of these assets now, there are a lot of ways that you can structure and partner and do other things with a self-directed IRA that can actually help you expand your capital pool. And we're seeing, and, and again, I'm sure your audience is very well aware, there are some of these types of real estate transactions that you can do, which really don't even necessarily need large amounts of money. So again, do you have a minimum? So here at Quest, in terms of opening the account, there is not a minimum specifically because, you know, we, we open the accounts and funding is usually coming from some other type of source. So we don't have what we would call just a flat minimum. You know, there is no minimum in terms of what you can bring from another IRA if that's where the source of money is or if it's coming from, uh, you know, some kind of a retirement plan. You know, the only kinds of minimum, uh, maximums, I guess I should really say, is, you know, just what the IRS will let you put in in terms of an, an annual contribution. And then, you know, the minimums, I think, largely for a lot of our clients may really come down to what is the investment that they're making, meaning what kind of minimum would you need to engage in any type of investment. Interesting. Um, hey, our guest today is Steve Sabachi. This is with Quest Trust Company. This is Let's Talk Land, our sponsor, LandHub.com. Are you looking to buy or sell land? LandHub.com previews thousands of properties nationwide. So we're talking about um, who 
has jurisdiction over these investments, and that's the IRS, good old IRS. And the code for those that are listening is 49.75, 49.75, if you want to peruse that, and that will give you all the parameters that we're talking about today, just to reinforce our conversation. And by the way, um, let's go to uh, his website if you're not driving, which is C, uh, I'm sorry, God, I don't have your website. Yeah, I do, sorry. It's uh, real simple, www.questtrust.com. So you got a double T there, questtrust.com. So, uh, I'm sorry, Lou, it's actually uh, Quest Trust Company. Company. Uh, thank you for correcting that. So questtrustcompany.com. All right? So you can join us there. Hopefully you're not driving. All right? Okay. So we talked about, Steve, some of the things that are allowed. But let's talk about some of the things that aren't allowed and see if we can get a handle on that. All right. This is, this is one of the most important things. Okay. And this is really what that IRS code 4975 will speak to. Gotcha. Um, with self-directed IRAs, there are two things that it addresses very specifically. First is what are called disqualified people, and then there are certain types of what they call prohibited transactions. So starting with the disqualified people, and basically what this refers to is people that you just can't interact with or, or transact. And so it starts with you yourself as the IRA account owner, and it then incorporates your spouse. From there, it is ascendants and descendants and their spouses. So father, mother, grandparent, and their spouse, children, grandchildren, their spouses. Now, where we get into a little of the IRS talk is this next portion. Okay. It's, it then refers to another disqualified person as being any of the, the aforementioned and any kind of entity that they would own, control, operate, or be highly compensated by. So again, that's just kind of IRS speak for saying that if you wanted to use an LLC or if you wanted to use a trust as the vehicle to invest in a property, that you or any other disqualified person can't manage the LLC or be the trustee. So it just kind of, again, sets those parameters as to the people. Now, from a transaction side, you know, again, it's really designed to just prevent self-dealing. And so one important thing is that you just can't buy or trade or lend to yourself or any other kind of disqualified person. Now, some of the broader things or, or the things that might be a little harder to define are areas where they say things like you can't provide yourself a service or you can't have beneficial use of the asset. And so... You know, again, a good way to just think of that when it comes to providing yourself a service. You think of it like this. If you bought a house and it's going to be a fix and flip, right. basically you, you can't do the work. You personally cannot be the one doing construction. Gotcha. You should not be painting the house. You should not be cutting the grass. Our, uh, again, I've heard people go so far as to say, don't even change a light bulb. Wow. You know, that might be construed as providing yourself a service. The beneficial use, that just refers to using the asset while it's in the IRA. And again, just as an example, let's say that my IRA owns a beach house. Well, what it basically means is I can't go down to that beach house myself and spend a week every summer, you know, hanging out at that beach house. So it just kind of puts some of those restrictions on the utilization of the asset while it's in that IRA. And that's, uh, for those that uh, likes to do a little more investigating, that's IRS code 49.75, IRS 49.75. And uh, it lays it all out there for you. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to think. I have no limits on what I can invest to start an account, if I have, Correct. I don't have to use all of my IRA, Roth, SEP, okay? 
uh, let's say I've got 100,000 in there and I just want to use 40,000 for a particular reason or to test the water, okay? Yeah. Uh, so I can I can take out part and leave the other so I would have the two investments working for me, right? That's correct. That's correct. If you have existing, the, the common way in which uh, a self-directed IRA gets funded is through a, cu a couple of different avenues. Okay. So it could be, as you mentioned, an existing IRA or an old 401k or some kind of employer plan that I have that's out there that I have eligibility to use. Now, you're spot on. You can take all of that money and roll it over or transfer it, or you could just take a portion of it and transfer it and, or uh, roll it over. So it's never an all or nothing proposition with any of these things. Now, the other way in which an individual can put money into a self-directed IRA, or any IRA for that matter, is also personal contribution. Now, a personal contribution to something like a Roth is, again, typically a very low amount of money, $6,000 or 7000 if you're over 50. Isn't that limited? Is it that amount? That is, yeah, that's IRS cap. Yeah, annual, the annual contributions. The amount is based on your age. Yeah, annual contributions, right? Correct, correct. Now, other types of IRAs, however, like the SEP IRA that we mentioned, that is a business-oriented type of account. It's designed for small businesses or self-employed individuals, and that will let you put in significantly more uh, higher amounts of money. Any caps the there? The, Any caps there, Steve? The cap is you know, on a set. It, you could be putting in as much as fifty-eight thousand dollars for 2021. It's gone up to sixty-two for 2022. Okay, but. You know, again, the nice thing about a SEP IRA is, first of all, the ability to set one up for last year is still actually active. That's based on not when I personally file my taxes, like just about everything else. Right. It's based on my business. Huh. So if that's something that a person hasn't yet done, that option still exists if they've gotten an, an extension, which is as far back as October, uh, for creating that business plan. Interesting. Boy, that's, that is a useful tool, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it becomes a business expense. Sure. And, of course, you always want to consult with your tax advisor. But, uh, you know, that is a deductible business expense that you can take advantage of. Wow. You see much of that? I see a lot of it. I see a lot of it, and I'm seeing more and more of it. And, again, we're seeing people that are migrating over from, again, what were typically the more traditional investments right. and coming over because they really want to take advantage of self-directing. Gotcha. Wow. This is a great show. This is some good stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm learning a lot here, and I hope our listening audience is too. That's what this is all about. Yeah, um, definitely. So percentage-wise, so I can visualize this, of uh, the different vehicles that I want to transfer from, can you break that down in a rough percentage, how much a – 401k might be, you know, in terms of contributions versus a SEP or a Roth or the other in, uh, investments? Is there, you know, just what's hot and what's not? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I mean, as everybody knows with uh, real estate, it can be very much driven by the location. Exactly. Um, and just as an example, I, I actually work out of our office for Quest in Austin, Texas. Okay. Here, you know, the real estate market is just on fire. And so, you know, here we don't tend to see as much in the way of like a fix and flip because the houses are a little too expensive for sure. that. Houston, that's still a very big thing. Dallas even as well. Right. Um, you know, we might see a lot more of these partnerships and these syndications. I mean, I've been hearing results anywhere on these from, you know, 12% to even even more, depending on how the deals play out. Um, even the lending, you know, there are note options that are out there that clients have anecdotally told me about where you can get basically 10% return on your money, you know, which is, you know, basically income coming back to you right. by the time you annualize everything out. And, you know, the note investing, while there's nothing that's, perfectly safe or guaranteed 
it's pretty darn close. It's it's very conservative, and compared to something that's you know more like a traditional savings account, I mean the the returns are significantly more. Is this is the, the is this investment or any of these other investments um, backed by uh, the government? You know, just like a, a bank account, you know, you've got the FDIC uh, that guarantees. So not, There's no not guarantees in, in this, right? And you, you are dealing in the area of real estate. And so I, I guess what you could say is that in some cases, especially with the lending, you know, you are in a position where you can negotiate the terms. You could be in a first lien, second lien position. Right. You know, you've got all the ability to do those kinds of things. Gotcha. And, of course, you know, at the end of the day, one of the nice things, and I think one of the reasons that a self-directed does give you maybe a little element of security that a, a, a security does not, is that, you know, worst-case scenario in, in a stock is that you're going to lose everything. The value has gone to zero, and you have nothing to show for it. In, a, in buying a house, like let's say I have a rental property in my IRA, a worst-case scenario is the house could burn down. Right. But I still own land that's attached to that. I also can insure that asset with homeowner's insurance and get the investment back. And so that is, again, a thing that's unique to real estate that gives you that little added sense of security that you just don't get anywhere else. You know, what I keep hearing in my mind as we talk, Steve, and what a great presentation, thank you, is the word flexibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I am I hitting the right button there? I mean, is this, to me, this is almost too good to be true. <laughs> well, you know, like everything, you know, there are, you know, ways that you could look at it. But, I mean, this does have a lot of advantages. And, again, I, I said earlier, I think there are ways that, you know, IRAs are, are very similar, but I still think that there is that flexibility and there are some amplifications to the benefits that a self-directed IRA offers you. You know, you with the self-directed IRA, you get things like diversification. Right. You get to have things like the tax advantages. The self-directed is unique, though, because it's letting you pick the asset so you really are investing in something that you that want to you yeah. personally know more about. Yeah. You've done the homework. You've done the due diligence. You've done the research. You really have a pretty good expectation of what you expect to come from the investment by virtue of your expertise in that area. And that's, I think, one of the big differences that that self-directed IRA is going to give you. So my word flexibility, that's still holding up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it fairly easy to get into and then also get out of? Uh, I have one project. I want to move a portion of my money from one of my fixed incomes, right? Mm-hmm. We go through the process with you. I acquire that those funds. I do my deal. I complete my deal. And now I want to take that and, and my principal and my profits, and I want to go back to a self, I mean, to a Roth or to a, IRA, uh, of course, those are limited. IRAs are limited how much you can put in. So, uh, is it fairly easy to get in and out of this yeah. this product? So, in the context, the the way that it works in the self directed IRA is that really the money is never leaving the IRA. The IRA, you know, it's basically cash that's coming in by way of transfer, rollover, whatever the method. It's the IRA that's then making the investment. So it's, it's it, as opposed to being owned by me directly, it's really being owned by my IRA. And then at some point, the investment matures or cashes out or I sell it, and then it's just money back that goes in to the IRA. Okay. So it's, it's very similar to, you know, anything you would see in a more traditional avenue you know, like a, a stock investment or in your typical 401k plan. This is a perfect, perfect program for real estate and especially for land. Our guest today is uh, is Steve Sabachi with Quest Trust Company. And this is Let's Talk Land. 
We'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. View thousands of properties for sale at LandHub.com. So, you know, this is one of the most exciting uh, uh, shows that I've had in a long time, Steve. You're doing a great job. You just got me got me thinking. I hope that the listening audience is also uh, uh, feeling the same way. But, uh, by the way, let's, let's remind them, Steve, to go to your website, which is uh, www.questtrustcompany.com. QuestTrustCompany.com, and follow along if, if you're not driving. So we, we, we've kind of been uh, learning about this vehicle here, and one of the things is um, how do you get in, how do you get out, and this is an IRA. I have an IRA with General Motors, just for example, uh, and, you know, it's in the stocks, and I just I want out of it, or I've retired. I want to do something else, and I've got involved in real estate, and there's something that I'm, or a project. Uh, that we've talked about doesn't have to be real estate, uh, but one that I really would like to get involved in. So I call Steve up and I say, Steve, what can you do for me? And uh, take me from there. And then I'm just uh, curious, and, and I'm sure you have to disclose this as well, is what's your fee structure? Sure, sure. Yeah, those are two very good questions. And they are uh, largely related to each other as well when we're talking about setting up an account right. and then getting you in a position to transact. So in terms of getting money over to Quest, again, it's a very easy process, and at Quest we do everything we can to make everything as easy as possible. The first step, of course, is you set your account up. And then once an account number is assigned, then getting money over can be done a couple of different ways and it largely depends on what the source of the money is. So if it's coming, let's say, from another IRA, you know, that's a case of where you, you empower us to get the funds from that other company, and they just send it directly over to us. And that's a series, and that's a, that's a series of paperwork, I'm, I assume. It, it's, a, it's a two-page form okay. in addition to just getting the account open. And that could be documenting about that form it's one of the rare forms that actually has to be signed. It can't have an Adobe signature. Really? Right? It has so to be wet signed? It does take maybe just that extra step. It has to be wet signed, as we call it. Wet ink. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Now, if it's coming from an employer plan, that process works a little differently. Okay. In a case like that, you're dealing with the company first. So we set up the IRA, but then you personally get distribution forms from that plan and basically you just instruct them don't make the check payable to me make it payable to my ira and then the funds will come over to us either from the company or it'll just pass through the client but as long as it's made payable to the ira there's no tax implication there will be no withholding there will be no taxation there'll be no penalties so the money still stays intact and goes from one to the other without any kind of IRS implication. So that's dollar to dollar. Dollar to dollar, precisely. Now, and, and that's an important point you make. Yeah, no, that's an incredible. It's, yeah, cause some, it's always dollars coming in, dollars going out, ultimately. Well, I hear when people, when, when people want to liquidate a fund, you know, they talk about, well, i got to pay all these taxes. So, uh, right. No and that's not taxes. the case. Yeah. Right. If you're making these moves directly... From one to the, from one of those types of vehicles to the IRA, there's no implication at all. Right. Wow. Okay. So, um, what? How long does it normally take? Okay. Um, I've got this General Motors fund. I call Steve up. You send me the paperwork. I get it wet signed. I get it back to you. And you have to have the original. So I assume it's not docu signed or any of that. It'll probably have to be overnighted or something, right? So well, now there again, you know. It's funny when you talk about the time frame because company, all companies work very differently. So there are companies where we can actually fax that request over. Okay. And even though you do have to wet ink signature the form, they don't require the original. You can scan it and send it to us. Okay. We can fax it to them, and then they'll send the money. Now, there are some places where they want you to take all these kinds of steps. They will ask for the original. They'll ask for a notary stamp on some of those forms. So anytime we're dealing with a company like that, it is naturally going to take a little longer. But we will process everything on a 24 to 48 hour time frame. And I've seen cases where 
some companies are so quick to respond that I have literally gotten an account open. We've gotten a transfer request situated. We've even begun to initiate an investment, and we can have that done you know, within 7 to 10 days. Okay, Steve, when you say you're making the investment, is Quest making the investment in my behalf, or am I personally calling Steve up and say, I need $100,000, I'm doing this, and this is the qualifications? How does that work? Basically, yeah, basically what we're doing is we're just getting the investment process started. So the client has an asset. They basically are just starting the, the direction of investment. They're collecting the documents and presenting them to us. We're reviewing it. And so basically everything is just waiting on the money. And as soon as the money arrives, all the logistical things are done. The only thing that's left to do is just fund the investment. So Quest Trust can um, can um, certify the investment, right, that it qualifies, right? We will have to review the investment. Yeah, yes, indeed. Because it may not qualify. It may not qualify. Right? Administratively feasible. Yeah. And so we're basically just checking to make sure, you know, again, that it's a, a proper investment for an IRA and that there are no disqualified people that might be involved, anything that could basically just jeopardize the transaction. Sort of like an operating room, you don't want to hear the word oops, right? <laughs> Definitely not when you're dealing with the IRS. Yeah. You never want to hear yeah. that word. So on the back side of that, at the end of the year, I guess there's certain forms that you have to file showing this has uh, been transferred, or do you have to even notify them, or do you guys do that? to the methodology, believe it or not. Okay. If we're doing that IRA to IRA transfer that I mentioned before, there's actually no tax reporting that's done with that at all. Hmm. That's a case of where in the eyes of the IRS, you are literally just going from one IRA to another IRA, even though they're at different companies. Right. But there's, there's no reporting that's done. Now, when you leave a 401k plan, as an example, there will actually be tax reporting that is done. However, Quest, as the receiving custodian, we do a bit of tax filing as well, and basically those end up offsetting each other. Gotcha. So while it gets reported on your taxes, it doesn't go into a taxable column where it's going to be part of your modified adjusted gross income. It's an, answer, it's an asset transfer is what it is, right? In essence, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, so for those out there listening and you're, you're getting a wet tongue and appetite, you're starting to taste what Steve's telling us about, you know, there might be something that you've been wanting to do. Uh, there's a bird nest on the ground, and you didn't know how to do it. Well, pick up the phone, give Steve a call or some of the staff there, and uh, see if maybe it might work for you. You've got nothing to lose to ask the question, right? We're going to talk about how to get in touch with you, and that'll be on the website. Uh, so, uh, exactly. Okay. Exactly. We, we, get, we got you covered. Um, all right. So what kind of fee basis is this? How is that structured? Yeah, yeah. So fees are really important to, uh, to evaluate. And I think it's also a case of where you, know, you want to see you know, what the fees are and what you're getting for what you're paying. Now, the fees that are applied to a Quest account, there are basically two types of fees that, that may come into play. Okay. One is somewhat transaction-oriented, and then the other are for the overall administrative expenses that we incur to manage and to administer the IRA with the IRS. Now, a transaction fee, you know, those are usually one-time fees that you see for things like opening the account, executing the transaction, maybe funding the investment, for instance, if it has to be done by a wire, there are methods where it can be done at no cost. So the, that part of the fee schedule, it's a conversation you'd like to have because, again, things may or may not apply based on the type of transaction that you're doing. Now, on the administrative side, it's very simple. There are two primary options that you can choose from. And basically, you just kind of think about what kind of investing am I doing, how long might I hold the investment, uh, what's the value or how many, and you can just pick whichever one is more economical for you. So our first option is based, based on the number of assets that you have. 
and it's a flat annual $350. So very simply, if I have an asset, if I have one asset, I pay $350. If I have two assets, I pay $700. The other version is where it's going to look at total account value. So it's all my assets and any cash. The way that it applies is quarterly. And so if it's something like a rental property or a syndication, what I want to do with that, that side of the fee schedule is if it's going to be something I hold for a while, multiply the quarterly fee by four to see what it comes out to for a year and then go with the cheaper. So let me give you an example. Let's say I'm investing $100,000 and I'm going to put it into just one asset, one syndication, one note, one property, whatever. Okay. Under option one, the flat fee, if it's a single asset, I'm only paying $350. But if I looked at my fee schedule under the quarterly version, and if I looked at 100000 and I multiply that out by four, under that version, I'd pay $630. Is that total, so in that case, or is that an addition? That would just be for the year. Just one but that's the a 350 so plus? Case, is that the 350 plus, or is that? No, no, it's, it's 350 or it's the 630, just based on which one I select. Gotcha. So in that case, I'm definitely better off with the first option. Yep. Flat now let's fee. just change the scenario a little bit. All let's right. say it's the same amount of money, but now it's two assets. If I go under option one where it's per asset, now I'm paying $700. So in that case, I would definitely want to select section uh, option two where it's going to be cheaper. It's as simple as that. And it's something that if one becomes better than the other over time, you can change the fee schedule. You know, we always work with our clients to try to make sure that they're getting the most effective deal for their money. Right. Wow, that's that's interesting. Wow. So does your company or companies like yours, do they, um, do they have access to those funds for their own company investments while you're holding it? Or you can't, no, you, can't, you, can't, um, you can't touch that money. Assets, assets that are held in cash are FDIC insured up to the legal limit. Okay, that's important. But they're not utilized by the company itself. I understand. Just wanted to clarify that, okay? Yeah, of course. Okay. So, hmm. Wow. Like I said, that word flexibility uh, and options. I'm going to add the word options now. Not only do I have flexibility, but I got options of different things I can do, right? Exactly, exactly. Hmm. All right, I want to go back to, because I'm a little fuzzy on it. Um, I'm 73 years old, okay? I don't have any retirement plans. Uh, just never had them, okay? Self, self-employed most of my life, and, you know, I do my, and I invest in land. That's where I've made my money over the years, and done very well by doing that. So I'm kind of like a one investment, but, you know, I control that. And I use my capital right. to invest and then make the profits and go invest in something else over the years, except having to pay for colleges and that kind of stuff. So that kind of wiped out some of it. But uh, it was right. at, least, at least it was there, you know, <laughs> when I needed it. But um, what else can you tell us about your program that we haven't talked about? Well, I guess... You know, the one thing that I would come back to is that question of, you know, there's always a perception that with the self-directed IRA, you have to have a lot of money in order to use it. And more and more, I'm seeing that that may, first of all, a lot is a relative term. Yeah, it is. uh, A lot of money to me could be very different than a lot of money to somebody else. Bill Gates may have a different perspective. Exactly. And in real estate, it's natural to think that, yeah, if I'm doing something in real estate, I need a large sum of money. And I'd say it always comes down to what are you investing in? There are certain types of investments that will require more money. If I'm trying to buy a a rental property and buying it outright, obviously I need a lot of money for that. I also have to have money to pay for the expenses, which have have to come from the IRA itself. I can't do that out of pocket. You can't co-mingle? Correct. You can't co-mingle. But let me come back to that in a moment. Yeah, please. I want to clarify Um, that. Yeah. But, you know, again, also like a private entity deal may have a very high minimum buy-in. Okay. You know, it could be, I I typically see 
50,000 to 75,000 as a typical minimum to get in on these. But there are deals that are out there that can be done with small amounts of money. In, in some cases, just earnest money. You know, there's a wholesaling. Wholesaling is an option. Okay. Option to buy. I saw a case of where one of our clients was able to use $1,000 and he walked away with $10,000. And that's, I, that's on the low end of some of the things that clients have told me. That's interesting. There are more and more investments, too, that just, you know, are coming out with more uh, smaller investments. They're private assets and they still, you know, just have small investment amounts and they would uh, be something that, that could qualify. A- another trick that a lot of clients will use is, again, using an entity, like just setting up uh, small accounts for their children and letting them contribute to a trust or an an LLC that's being managed for them. And so it's a way everybody gets to participate. But one of the most interesting techniques that we see with self-directed IRAs is in partnering. And what that means is I can take what might be a small amount of money that I have, but I can combine it with a family member or anybody else. We can pool our money together and we can just basically buy an asset, you know, for small amounts divided among many of us. Hmm. There's a case in particular uh, that I saw with some of our clients where there were about five people who created one note together, one loan, basically, for about $5,000 each. They were able to combine their money, make a larger pool that they could then turn around and lend, and each of them basically ended up getting a pretty decent rate of return for what was a nominal investment. And again, the risk was spread among many of them. Right. But you mentioned, you mentioned the word, excuse me. And this yeah. is kind of going back to the point you're making about the commingling. Uh-huh. It is okay for me to actually partner with myself with after-tax money. After-tax so money. I'm looking at a property, I got... 25000 in my IRA, and I got $70,000 in the bank, and I need to spend 100000 I can use both of those together. The titling would just have to reflect the percentage of the various ownership. Gotcha. The, the other thing is that any expenses or any money that's earned, income, profit, whatever, also has to be divided based on those percentages of ownership. Okay. But that is something that a lot of clients will do. And again, it's a great way that they can expand the pool of money that they may not have just in the IRAs themselves. Does Quest Trust, do you guys advise, okay, I, I, I called Steve up. I'm moving $100,000, okay, to self-direct. That's set up. The money's there. I have a particular project, or maybe two or more, but let's say two. And I need some advice, Steve. Which would you invest in? Do you guys get involved in that, or you leave that up to the um, to the investor? Uh, yeah, you got an advisory. It comes up all the time. Yeah. I'm afraid here at Quest, however, we do not provide tax, legal, or investment advice. I didn't think so. We don't so. endorse products, services, types of investments. You know, we are really neutral in the process. Gotcha. Again, that means we don't have a conflict of interest. We're not trying to push anything. Sure. We purely are an objective account administrator. And so we always do urge that our clients are always educating themselves, doing their due diligence, and working with somebody that might be able to advise them in that kind of capacity. Hmm. Now, that being said, You know, one of the things we do, and again, I think this is something that distinguishes us from other self-directed IRA custodians, is that we offer a lot in the way of education for our clients and networking opportunities for our clients. And so the educational opportunities are, are pretty wide and vast. We do live events. We do webinars. We have people that are industry leaders who will come and present on various topics that are very impactful to the self-directed IRA space, uh, could be on any type of investing that we've discussed. Uh, and again, these are experts, and afterwards, they always open themselves up for 
Q&A, right. and also even follow-up conversation. And they may have things that a person wants to explore as an opportunity with that person. The networking opportunities that we do as well are a chance for people to meet like-minded investors who may have opportunities or may be looking for opportunities. So it's a way where, let's say, I'm looking for people to invest in my project. I might find somebody who's interested in learning more, and then we can take up that conversation and see if it's a good fit. Also, you know, if I've got money that's out there, I might find somebody who wants to borrow money from me. And again, it's all private interaction. You, you decide if it's the right fit, if it's the right pairing, and then just take it from there. So are you providing leads? Uh, not in the sense that, you know, we're saying... Call up Lou Jewell, he's got something you might, uh, this might work out for you? Right, yeah, it's just purely a case of where, you know, we're, we're kind of facilitating a platform where people can introduce themselves. Okay. Again, it's all It's networking, it's uh, networking. Negotiation and private, uh, transaction. And by the way, I'm sure, because I know the answer to this statement, (laughs) go to the website, Chris Trust company.com and everything steve's talking about today this morning is going to be there okay or i'm sure most of it's there Uh, it's a pretty pretty comprehensive site and these educational these podcasts all the stuff that steve's referring to uh, go bone up go to that website i mean if you're curious about what we're talking about this morning uh, that's the place to go and then you can follow up and contact steve and he can take you to the next step and help you decide if it's something you should do or not do, right? That's right. I would just also mention uh, on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page, uh, you can go check those out and look at the archives, and you will see webinars that we have from two years ago. hours and hours. You can just simply kind of hover over it and just see what the topic is. And, in fact, you might even see me as doing the uh, moderating of these uh, webinars. You go, Steve. (laughs) <laughs> do you do autographs? <laughs> uh, you have to take that up with my agent. With about five minutes left, let's talk about your company real quick. You guys are based out of uh, out of uh, Houston with offices in Correct. Dallas that you'll be joining here shortly. You're in Austin, Correct. Texas office this morning. And uh, you, you've uh, opened the doors around 2003, uh, and you have uh, over 20,000 satisfied clients. And I don't know why. I mean, why wouldn't you be satisfied with this type of vehicle, golly? And uh, so tell us a little bit more about your company. Sure, sure. So right now, you're, you're right on. We've got about 20,000 clients nationwide. Uh, we have close to $3 billion in total assets under administration. And one thing I always like to tell people, too, is right now we have clients that are among those amounts, sitting on about 300 to $400 million. Right. So we got clients who are really looking to make deals, which is why we want people to be aware of the networking opportunities that we offer. Now, in terms of the company itself, Quest right now, we probably have uh, close to maybe 110 employees that work for us across the offices that you mentioned. Sure. And one of the things I think that, again, distinguishes us is – You're talking a little earlier about my background and uh, the certified IRA specialist designation. Well, about a third of our employees have that designation already. What does it take to to get that designation, Steve? (laughs) A lot. A lot. Let me tell you. It's like my Uh, ALC. You you have to do a lot of studying. Um, It's about a three-hour exam that you end up taking, and uh, I am waiting on the results as we you're fine. Took it, uh, several weeks ago, and I'm still waiting to find out whether or not I passed. So um, it's a little nerve-wracking, you know, when you're in there, and it's a little nerve-wracking afterwards because you don't know, you know, how you did ultimately. Sure. Uh, but I hope to be among those, uh, you know, in my my other coworkers to add to that number. But the nice thing too is that you would think that you know Quest only wants people with that designation on the sales team or in the marketing department. But those employees are spread across everywhere in the organization. They're in the transactions area, the accounts receivable, the accounts 
payable, the newer That's area. And why I think that helps our organization is that when you take that test or when you study for it, you see that there are all these different facets of IRAs. And by having different people in different parts of that organiza- of our organization with that extra knowledge, I think it just helps us be a better oh, company definitely. overall. Yeah, I could see that. How, how many people in the country actually carry that designation, just roughly? Uh, you know, I don't have an exact number on that. What's your thoughts? What I did see from the American Banking Association is that there is a pretty, you know, I'd, I'd say maybe the pass rate on that exam is maybe about 50%. Right. So it's, again, not something that uh, is just given away. Sure. You know, there is a lot of work that you need to put in. You have to actually qualify to even take the exam. Wow. You have to have had a certain amount of time in the industry, a certain type of education. You know, so it's, it is fairly exclusive in terms of obtaining the designation. Well, good for you. And that's it's like my accredited land consultant designation from the Realtors right. Land Institute. Yeah. There's 600 of us in the country. <laughs> I mean, duh. <laughs> but believe me, it's like getting a doctor's degree in land. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it feels that way. Oh, no. It's, uh, we're self. Uh, I mean, I'm an ALC and I'm an instructor. And we have 10 courses and multiple instructors that are all RLI members and all ALCs. So our ALCs are actually instructing our, our younger group, our older group, but our students. Okay, so... Uh, it's really interesting, and, and it's a family. It's unlike anything you'd ever see. I mean, some of the yeah. best people like you guys in the, in the industry. Hey, we're going to have to wrap this up thing here with you, but um, I, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. And uh, this this is uh, Rodney. When we when we are going to rebroadcast, put this one on top of the list, okay? We'll do that. All right. So, uh, Steve, what an incredible job! Yeah. So. Uh, let our listening audience, how do they get in touch with you, Steve? Well, like you said, the website is a great way to go. But my email, if anybody wants to contact me directly, uh, it's simply my first name and dot last name, and that's Steve.Sabaji. And let me spell that. Yeah, please. It's C is in Charles, S is in Sam, O B A J I at Quest Trust. Com. Do that one more time. Steve dot C S O B A J I at Quest Trust dot com. Um, all right, guys, it's your turn now. Uh, absorb what we've been talking about and apply it. Uh, what some great opportunities. In fact, I was talking to Rodney during the break, and I said, "Do you have any?" Uh, investments and he said you know this is interesting mm, i didn't know i could do all this stuff so i'm sure we've opened a few eyes and uh, and hope uh, they uh, contact you because you're the right folks to uh, work with in my opinion so i will endorse you for whatever that's worth thank you but uh, yeah you've been a great guest and thank you for joining us hey thank you for joining uh, us today let us know how you like the show if you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest we would appreciate them all of our questions are welcome, and all of our guests may be emailed with your quest as well. On our master website, www.letstalkland.net, it's also on Spotify and Podbean, but you will find Steve's name with the correct spelling, I hope, and his uh, company website and his email. You will not find his phone number, but you can go through the company and find that. All of our shows is for the public and, most importantly, for real estate agents who do not have a source for land education. All of our shows are downloaded this morning after the show on our master website, as I mentioned, www.letstalkland.net. It's .net. You'll also find all of our shows, uh, Number this is number 181, on Spotify and Podbean. My email is lou at mylandpro.com. My cell phone number is 336-669-1405. We'd like to thank our sponsor, landhub.com. Looking to sell your land? Try LandHub.com. Rodney, how they get in touch with us here? Well, Lou, they can go to our website. Go to WKT1090.com and also download the Simple Radio app and hear us anywhere in the universe. How, uh, how simple is it? It's pretty simple there. Anywhere. Anywhere. 
So anybody wants to listen to Steve's show That's or any right. of the other shows? Yeah, he can download it out there and listen to us from Texas. Yeah, and we broadcast that on Saturday mornings. That's right. 10 to 11 Eastern Standard Time. That's right. Every week. That's right, every Saturday morning. Yeah, and this is almost five years of this, right? It is. It, it is. It's goes a lot by of fun. fast. It does. God, I'm getting old. Yes. No, you're not getting old. Oh. It's just going by fast. I got you. So our radio station... WKTE 1090. Uh-huh. We play beach music and oldies. That's right. And we only play? Happy music. Why is it happy? Because we want to make everybody happy in the world. All right. So if you want to be happy, tune in. If you're not listening to my show or the Cars show or Dr. Yeah. Barbie show, mm-hmm. uh, the DJs locally and nationally. That's right. They, uh, they'll make you happy. That's it. And we won some awards. Yes, seven years in a row on the East Coast to be in the top beach and oldies radio station. Not the top one. Top one. Top that, dog. That, woof, woof. With the big dog. Man. Shout out. Big wave, I guess you'd wow. call it. And you won a nice award. Yeah, the Reader's Choice Announcer of the Year Award. Wonder why. I have no clue. Hey, we'll see you next Saturday. Join us. We look forward to seeing you. Steve.